Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and for today's episode, I'm joined by two fellow Chronicle staffers, Scott Osler and Al Sarasovic, to preview Golden State's first round matchup against San Antonio. Connor Letourneau here. Uh, we just got out of Warriors practice here on a Thursday afternoon. I'm here with Scott Osler, the esteemed sports columnist of the San Francisco Chronicle. Also, Al Sarasovic, uh, the one and only sports editor of the San Francisco Chronicle, also known as our boss. Um, <laughs> and uh, also a columnist for us. And uh, we, we just finished up practice. Um, you know, a lot to digest here. Obviously, we just learned last night uh, the final, very final day of the NBA regular season that the Warriors, Warriors will be playing the Spurs in the first round. What was your guys' thought when you when you first saw you know that Minnesota had beaten Denver in overtime in that game, and that the San, the San Antonio Spurs would be the matchup? Uh, my first thought was that the uh, Warriors maybe caught a little bit of a break. I'm not sure if they needed a break. We'll find out. But I think that was this is going to be by far the easiest matchup for them than any of the other things that could have shaken down. So. I think they uh, they got a good easy entree into the playoffs. Why do you think it's easy? I don't know. Well, you know, they Spurs don't have their best guy, Kawhi Leonard. Of course, I know the Warriors don't either. But um, they're just the main guy is Lionel. I mean, uh, Aldridge. I always think Lionel Aldridge, but um, he's not a superstar. You know, he's not the kind of guy you want to carry your team in the playoffs. So I just think they're overmatched in, all, in almost every way. I think it should be a short series. What do you think, Al? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. Um, the Spurs are limping into the playoffs. It's not the team they had before. The, the one thing they really have going in their favor is their system and their coach. If anybody can scheme up a plan to beat the Warriors in the first round, it would be Greg Popovich. And I know that Steve Kerr is looking forward to uh, locking horns with his mentor. He talked a lot about it today. But when you look at what the, the Warriors' you know, macro picture was, they're going into the playoffs without their leader, Steph Curry. If they got one of the teams that really give them headaches in the first round, it might have been that nightmare scenario where the Warriors lose, uh, number two loses to a number seven seed in the first uh, round of the playoffs. That could have happened, and I think it would be much more likely with the other teams. Um, I still think it could happen, though. Uh, I really haven't seen much energy and cohesion with the Warriors. Uh, coming down the stretch, Connor, you know a lot more about it than I do, but um, you know I wouldn't take anyone lightly the way they've been playing, especially on defense, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole thing. Is I agree with with you guys, and that I think this was probably the best case scenario, not just the first round, but if you're even looking ahead and looking at potential right. Western Conference semifinals, because if they beat the Spurs, they're going to face the winner of Portland, New Orleans. I think both of those are very winnable matchups um i think worst case scenario would have been having to face utah or uh oklahoma city OKC, yeah. i think both of those you know obviously utah's been the hottest team in basketball since the all-star break in oklahoma city we all know the the narrative there with with kevin durant especially if they had to play them in the first round can you imagine what okc would have been like uh with with Durant being, you know, the guy with Steph being out, but no, I think all things considered, this is this is a good matchup. Um, but like Al just said, I mean, I think the big question is where are the Warriors right now? I'm not a hundred percent confident 
that they can just turn on the proverbial switch. I mean, yes, they're still, even without Steph, one of the most talented teams in the league. Yes, you know, they still have Kevin Durant. But, you know, if you don't play great basketball for six straight months, you think that you're just going to wake up one day and just, oh, you you know, it's the playoffs. We have to be a different team now. I mean, the, it's just it was disconcerting to me just as a, someone who observes them every day that, you know, even though they were games that, quote, unquote, didn't matter, you know, you still had something to play for. You're, you're the, the playoffs are near, and you want to be playing good basketball. And to go out and lose by 40 in the regular <laughs> season finale to yeah. Utah, that to me, you wonder if that says something about this team. Is right. this team just – Where's the hunger? Yeah. It's my favorite question going into the playoffs. Everyone's asking yeah. the flip the switch, uh, flip, flip the switch question, and you can see the players and the coaches kind of uh, sigh. And uh, I think uh, Draymond said what I heard today was, "Oh, you can't flip the switch. You know, you got to be ready to go." And then and, and, uh, Steve Kerr, in his usual beautifully witty way. Um, said something about it's more like a dimmer. We can start lifting the dimmer a little bit. So I think they, they're all aware that they need to change what they're doing here. But, uh, yeah, but here, here's the key, yeah. you know, uh, to me on this is that everybody wants to know, you, they, when we ask them, that was the big question, can you guys flip the switch? I don't think they know. I think it's a mystery to them. I think somewhere deep inside they're wondering, you know, if we could flip a switch, if we had that dimmer, we would have started. We wouldn't have just cranked it to the left so hard against – Utah in the last game and lost by 40 and, and basically staggered. They didn't limp to the finals. They, they staggered down the home stretch. And I don't think they know what, what's in store or how much they can dig, dig down and, and, and when they're going to need to. And I think that's the thing that's really struck me just the past few days. I mean, just going back to that Indiana game last week and then obviously the Utah game. Um, you know, most of this season, you know, when they've had tough losses, when they've gotten blown out, They've still been very confident. They don't, they they haven't been upset. They they keep it all in stride. You know these games are, you know it's just the regular season. When it matters, we'll we'll be the team we want to be. And now that we're finally here, you're starting to see a little bit of doubt. You're starting to see that they don't they just don't look as confident. I mean, they were straight up asked after the Utah game, "Do you feel ready for the playoffs?" and most of their reactions were, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I mean. That's not like these guys. No. Yeah. Super confident group over the years, um, especially Draymond. Uh, Kevin Durant's a quiet guy. You don't see him swagger very much. And uh, Steph gave him a little bit of that real confidence and swagger. So uh, let me uh, flip our own switch here and ask Connor, um, you know, obviously uh, missing Curry here is a big deal. But I, I wrote a column about this for our preview section for the playoffs and you know how do they make up for that loss they brought in a new guy to play curry light right yeah i mean they have a clear blueprint that they want to follow without curry and they they executed it really well in december when curry missed those 11 games with with the ankle injury and then went nine and two and it's pretty simple i mean it's play it starts with playing really solid defense because the reality is you're not going to make up what Steph Curry does for you offensively because not only does Steph average over 26 points per game, not only is he the best floor spacer in NBA history, but just his mere presence changes the, changes the entire dynamic. When he's on the floor, you're going to have better looks for KD and Klay Thompson and and so forth. So that that's you just have to accept the fact that you're not going to be as dynamic offensively and you need to play good quality defense and you need to slow down the pace a little bit 
and you need to run your offense through KD. And you saw them try to do that, you know, in the past couple of weeks with, with Steph out, but it just they've been completely discombobulated, and I think that's largely because they haven't been at full strength. You, they have been, you know, changing up the lineup. And for better or worse, you know, they have a new starting center every single game, it seems, because Steve has decided to go match up. there the other night. What What is the deal with that? I've been wondering about um, the last two seasons, actually. Steve Kerr is really um, enamored of, of switching up the rotations almost on a nightly basis. Scott, you're our NBA historian, but wasn't that considered a really bad thing to do five, six years ago? Oh, yeah, you would never years. see that in, yeah. in the old days, 10, 10 or 20 or 30 or 40, how many years ago? You had your it was, role, it was right? pretty rare. Especially well, but the whole thing with, with the center situation, they don't have a dominant center, and dominant centers aren't the, the thing of the day in the NBA anyway. And they just – I don't think it's Kerr wants to be tricky or fancy or anything like that. I think he just – desperately seeking for a guy to give him serviceable minutes at center every every night you know i think i think it's like football where if you play two quarterbacks you don't really have a quarterback (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of like that um and you know the reality is all these guys that they have in the center rotation are minimum level guys i mean they've spent all their money on on the rest of the the rest of the roster and so they were just kind of you know, gluing together, hodgepodging together the, this rotation, and you. I think the best player in this rotation is obviously David West, but Steve, and I think this is smart, doesn't want to take him out of you know that rotation he has coming in at the start of the second quarter, uh, in the third quarter, um, in that second unit because he he's a guy who really needs to know exactly how much he's going to play so he can give it all in those minutes and he's been phenomenal in that role so you don't want to mess with that uh Kavon Looney has been uh I think a pleasant surprise the past month or so really ever since Jordan Bell got injured he got more minutes and has been uh exceptional specifically as a, a defender uh, he's a guy who is kind of your your stereotypical modern small ball center where he can switch off screens and guard guards and and really defend all five positions and that's going to be really key if we get deeper in the playoffs against a Houston or what have you but the question to me is who who do you guys think starts at center in this series it's JaVale McGee in my mind uh you know he's your most uh he's your longest player he's a, a, a shot blocker rim protector I mean, what happened? He came in mid-season. What they win, Connor? Twelve, nine, eight, nine games straight, and then uh, he had come in after Zaza Pachulia fell out of the starting lineup. Why not stick with him? What's wrong with Javale? I mean, the thing about Javale is he's just—he's just so inconsistent. I mean, he—he he does certain things really well. I mean, he'll be phenomenal one night and then horrible the next night. I think Zaza, you it's a little bit more of a situation where you at least know what you're going to get from him. Um, I, I think that if if you think that San Antonio is going to go big and start Powell along with LaMarcus Aldridge, you have to go JaVale or Zaza. I, I kind of agree with Al. I think, I think JaVale would probably be the better matchup. He actually had a really nice game earlier in the season against LaMarcus and Powell. Um, was um, so, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, a fluid thing. Steve alluded to the fact that he's already he already knows who he's going to start in game one, but I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. I think it's spotlight on Looney. I'm not saying he's going to start, but I think you know he's shown some good progress recently and in, in, in the season. 
and they, they need a guy like that. And I think maybe I'm trying to get in Kerr's head a little bit, which is hard to do. But I think he's thinking if the first round is not going to be easy, but easier, you know, if this was a kind of trial round and get rid of the rust and all that stuff, if we can get Looney in there and get him some playoff experience and make him a solid contributor to this rotation so we can use him significantly the rest of the playoffs, that's going to be the thing. So I think Kerr is going to at least give Looney a chance to get in there and get some hard minutes. Yeah, counterpoint. Um, that's what he did the whole season. That's what I was talking about, the juggling lineups and everything. After 82 games, and I've seen every lineup under the sun, he's still, like, figuring out something. I, I think that the time for, for experimentation is over, and if I were Steve Kerr, I'd cut that, uh, that rotation down to, I don't know what, eight or nine guys. But uh, then again, it's a deep team. That's what we always said, but... Uh, yeah, what do I, mean, I know? He's, Steve's shown in the past that he, he'll, he'll cut down the rotation a little bit yeah. in the playoffs. And so I am curious to see who kind of falls out of the rotation. Yeah. Um, I, I personally wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Bell's minutes went down. I think Damian Jones, who we obviously saw play a lot in these games that didn't matter, I don't uh, I just don't see him being a factor in the playoffs. I think they were playing him just to see what they could get yeah. it, like in these games where there was pretty much – no stakes and he actually played well and i actually think he could be a factor next season but i just don't see you you depending on a guy like that who's so raw and unproven in these games that matter um so luckily for them david west upticked his career this season i mean he went from level six or seven he kicked it up to a notch or two this season i think and he's been markedly better if you look at just on a per minute basis he's been one of the best bench players in the entire nba his his real defensive plus plus minus if you're into advanced analytics is second in the entire nba uh he he defensive yeah and he he's averaging over a block a game and only 12 minutes per game um, Where did that come from all of a sudden? The guy's like 90 years old, man. I think, I think it kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier. I think he's a guy who really benefits from knowing when he's going to go in, exactly what his role is going to be. He knows exactly what they need him to do you know, in different scenarios. He leaves midway through the first quarter every game, walks to the locker room, gets on the bike for a few minutes, comes out, and is totally ready to go, goes really hard for those 12 minutes. He's 37, but he's in good enough shape where he can go 100% you know, for 12 yeah. minutes. Um, Those are the only guys that get that kind of accommodation from Steve. It seems like Iguodala, Livingston, and West, who are the, the real veterans on the team, and, and he gives them their role and he doesn't mess with it very much. So that's kind of interesting. So maybe it's different yeah. strokes for different players. Steve understands that. So kind of you guys have kind of alluded to it, but who do you think, if you had to pinpoint one player, who do you think is the X factor of this series? And we all know that Durant, is you know going to be a big factor, but let's 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 exclude Durant because that's kind of an obvious answer. That's not fair. I'm, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going with Quinn Cook. Yeah. In this series because uh, he's not a playoff tested. Obviously he's he's 24 I think, but he's he's like a rookie, and uh, the pressure's on, and he's got to go against Patty Mills, who is kind of like Quinn Cook hardened and veteraned up. He's Patty's a uh, super quick. He's probably quicker than Quinn Cook. And they'll run him off through all those picks and everything like that, like they do in San Antonio. And it's going to be a big test for Cook. Cook had a hard time against him. What was it about two weeks ago when they played down there? And uh, he, he's got a Cook's got to score a little bit. He, he didn't have to score thirty, but he's got to get in there and score fifteen points, right? And play defense. Yeah. 
Quinn is an okay defender at best. Uh, I actually think he's probably comparable to Steph defensively. I I, th- I don't think Steph's an elite defender by by any you know by any measure, but he he can give you solid minutes. He's been pretty up and down, but what what Quinn is is he actually is an elite shooter, and that's what yeah. we've seen. He's he's shooting well over forty percent uh, from three point range, around fifty percent from you know. Uh, from the field and he's he actually this season was the first ever player in the 17 year history of the g league to join the 50 40 90 club which you can say whatever you want about the g league if you're shooting 50 40 90 at any level 50 percent from the field 40 percent from three-point range and 90 percent from the foul line there are seven players in nba history who've done that over the the course of an entire season two of them play for the warriors <laughs> guy's amazing, man. All right, so I was I was thinking hard about uh, Osler's pick there, Quinn Cook. I think he's dead wrong. Now, now Quinn's got to play his role and, and and fill it up a little bit. So then I was going to go Clay Thompson, just saying, hey, Clay's got to get hot. But then then I'm totally cheating here, and I'm going to pivot finally and land on Draymond Green, who. Um, I think the the key issue with the team right now is defensive intensity. I think they weren't able to uh, ramp it up there down the stretch, and the key to to Warriors defense for the last during this championship era has been Draymond, and that's a double-edged sword, especially with Popovich on the other bench because the Warriors play hard on defense when Draymond has a chip on his shoulder, when he gets emotional, when he uh, starts uh, pushing people around and getting physical. And I think uh, Popovich might be able to exploit that. So I would say that it works in the Warriors' favor if uh, Draymond keeps his uh, head in the game and stays away from the head games that, that Popovich might start playing with them. So my vote's with Mr. Draymond Green. I think those are both really good answers, and you guys both made your cases. I'm going to go with uh, Andre Iguodala. And simply, it's not even so much a matchup thing for me. It's just this is a guy who all season long we've been waiting to see the real Andre Iguodala, the guy who we saw in the 2015 finals, the guy who we've seen the past two-plus seasons as a leader of that second unit. You know, he just hasn't been the same guy. And you wonder, did that big contract in the offseason kind of affect his motivation? Um, Did he lose his confidence? Is is he not fully healthy? Obviously, he just missed, you know, an extended amount of time with with that – tendinitis in his left knee and he it's looking like he'll be back for game one but he he's also got an aching back and he's got all these other little minor things uh so but all that said he actually has played better when he's been you know available in the past month or so he's he's shooting much better i think he's starting to slowly round into form and i think it's important for him to be a real factor right. in if, these playoffs. If he was here right now, if Draymond, I mean, if Iguodala is here right now, what would you tell him? You got to tell him what he's got to do better, whether it's more consistency, three point shot. What do you got to do better, Andre, to help this team in the playoffs? Yeah, I think he just needs to be more consistent on both sides of the ball. I think he needs to take open shots when they're there and be confident with with taking open shots, which is something you haven't seen much this season. He's he, he, it seems like his confidence on that side of the ball has completely been shot. You know, he'll turn open, he'll bypass wide open shots to to throw it into you know the corner to guys who are being double teamed. You know that type of thing. So Maybe you want. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I also think – I think Andre's one of those guys. He, he He's so smart, and he, I think, sometimes has a tendency to overthink things, uh, which, you know, in this game, the mind can be your worst enemy at times. So, um, And I think also just – being a stabilizing force, you know, that that really is his best attribute. He's a guy who, you know, helps dictate the tempo, doesn't ever turn the ball over, or at least when he's at his best. You know, he's a pretty solid facilitator, can initiate the offense, which honestly is going to be important given the fact that they're going into this first round without Steph and also without Patrick McCaw, who has some ball handling responsibilities. I got something on that. When Kerr was talking today at practice, he really – he was asked about Iguodala and whether he's going to be at full strength. He didn't show his cards, and we'll see. Um, I think what's been hurting him is his ongoing knee issues, back issues. He's also the quintessential veteran who knows that um, he should uh, hold himself in reserve during the regular season and, and turn it on in the playoffs. Uh, with all that said, what Kerr said, he was just a the quintessential thinking basketball player, an amazing IQ for the game, and that he filled in the gaps with whatever was needed on the court. So in this case... You know, he didn't play with Curry necessarily all the time, but I think uh, Iguodala will find a way to fill in the gaps um, that, that are needed here. So if Durant starts taking um, uh, 25 shots a game, Iguodala might switch over to uh, uh, help spread the, spread the defense more and, you know, uh, do some of the off-the-ball stuff that you see from smart basketball players. Before we get into your guys' predictions for this series, which is something that I uh, I wanted to to get into, I just wanted to really quickly put a bow on the regular season. Um, what what would you guys give in terms of a grade for this regular season? I was at one point thinking about doing kind of a, a grade system for for different aspects of this regular season. I personally, honestly, was having a tough time giving them a grade because I think if you look at the first half of the season. I gave them an A minus, you know, when I did my midseason report. They, they, I think they were doing as well as you could have expected given the circumstances. But the past couple months, they've really struggled. But there's also been reasons for that. Obviously, they've been very injured and, and what have you. So all that being said, what, where would, what would you, what would you give them if you're, if you're the teacher? Well, if we're putting this in the perspective of the entire league, we're not saying as compared to last year or the year before, but we're putting it in the perspective of the league and history and all that stuff. I give them an A minus. Because even though they staggered down the finish, like you said, there are reasons for that, whether it's they didn't need to play hard and they had injuries, um, several inj- injuries, in fact. But winning as many games as they did, that's <laughs> – we we don't forget, but a lot of people do. That's pretty hard to win that many games in the NBA, even if you got really good players. And uh, go through history, man, they just – you just don't see it. So I, I can't give them an A or an A-plus because they did stagger and stumble a little bit at the end, but uh, – I'll give him an A minus, no problem. I have no problem with that. That seems like he's a pretty lenient grader. I would love, yeah. I would love to be in your uh, in your class, you know, and uh, get 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 the get the bell curve on that one. Pretty soft, Professor Osler. Um, I would say B minus. Um, the expectations were higher for this team. Uh, a lot of different things came after uh, came at them, but they weren't able to. Uh, to overcome uh, with, you know, that roster is insane. That, that's why I was built 12 deep. And uh, I, I thought that they would handle some of the waves a little bit more. I think we're seeing the aggregate of four years of uh, really high intensity basketball having to play into June uh, three years in a row. One of those summers, 
uh, two major cogs had to play the Olympics as well. I think what we're seeing is um, some high-level basketball players that are uh, uh, tired. You know, they, they've played a lot of basketball. And maybe the, the best grade would be incomplete. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's incomplete because the season's not over. But um, I, I, I would have to give them a solid B, just not a B plus, not a B minus, just a B. And I say that because, yes, you're right. You know, 50, 57 is what we ended at. Uh, 57 wins is, is a, a good season by any measure. Um, and all their goals are very much still in front of them. I still think I would still pick them if I had to to win the championship. Um, but they just not only not only in their losses, but even in their wins, they, they were never that dominant movement heavy fun to watch team that you came became accustomed to watching the past couple seasons they didn't play with that same sense of joy or fervor or fun there were moments in certain games but it, it just wasn't the same team we ran a nets game together a month and a half ago something like that and they outscored the nets by i think 25 in the second quarter and then that was it you know it was it was it was an amazing stretch and then the second half is a whole different story so can they put four quarters together can they put a series together i mean i think that i think the fact that we even have the questions we have right now yeah. of of you know can they figure it out in the playoffs what are, what team are we going to see in the first round that says a lot and i think that's why you can't give this team an a right now that's all right it. but i want to i don't want to launch another hour-long discussion which this could be but uh, so we all see that that the not quite 100 percent joy or the movement the free-flowing the crazy un unbelievable circus that they put on there for a couple of years but how much of that is a product of the fact that the rest of the league saw what they could do and the rest of the league started doing the same things on offense and defense and kind of caught up with them so it's not as easy to do what they used to I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the league has gotten better, especially in the Western Conference. Houston is so much better than any team the Warriors faced in the playoffs last year. Not even close. And I, I think Toronto is legit. I think that um, – I even think, like, Utah's legit. I think Cleveland is becoming legit. Uh, so it's going to be a fun playoffs. And kind of going back to our, our – you know, most of this podcast, which was – an in-depth breakdown of that first round, kind of to, to, to finish that, what, what do you guys predict and why? Who's going to win and in what, uh, what amount of games? I'm going to say the, the Warriors in five. It could be four, but either four or five. But uh, I'll, I'll give five. I'll give San Antonio one game. And I just think there's just, way, just too much firepower and, and guys ready to go. The guys that are healthy are healthy and they're ready. That's it. Hmm. I'll say Warriors in six. I think we're going to see one of their first home games uh, be a lackluster uh, effort, uh, and San Antonio is going to steal one in Oakland, and then there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing, tension, and concern. And uh, Excuse me. Um, and that will be good for us. Tension is a good thing when you're telling a story. No, and I, I, I kind of have to piggyback on what on what Scott was saying. Uh, I think Warriors in five, and I think that because, um, like you said, they're just more talented. And I think this is honestly the worst Spurs team that Greg Popovich has had since they since they put together this this string of twenty plus years making the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the fact that they've won forty five plus games is absolutely incredible, and props to them. I just don't think that when 
the season is on the line, they can actually test a team like the Warriors, especially we're assuming Kawhi is not playing. They have not officially announced that, but I would be absolutely shocked. I mean, people are already speculating that he's going to Boston this summer. So um, I don't I don't see that happening. If this goes six, I think there's going to be widespread panic in Warrior land. Yeah, so I see Warriors in five, and I just I see that because I could just totally see them getting up by like, you know, getting up three zero and then just not trying at all, right. and then losing a game. But uh, no, it's 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 actually a great matchup for the Warriors, and I appreciate uh, Al and uh, Scott. I appreciate you guys for joining me today. Always good to chat with you. Always good. Uh, and Scott and I will actually be in San Antonio for games three and four. So you know, always stay locked and loaded at sfchronicle.com. We're gonna have tons of uh, great. Content content for you guys in the coming days we'll be live from the alamo (laughs) this show is part of the san francisco chronicle podcast network our theme music is thank you for playing by ryan little courtesy of the free music archive this show is produced by me and fernando diaz for more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron, at Al Sarasovic, and at Scott Osler. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us feedback.